Good morning, church. All right. Oh, man, it's so good to be here today, and I'm glad that we can gather again as we begin this series uh, entitled This Is Us. So if you've been out uh, the last few weeks or you've been in and out for any reason, I'll catch you up real quick. Uh, For these few weeks, we want to spend some time just talking about who we are and who we are called to be as a church. I think we need to be reminded sometimes of who we are and who we're called to be as a church, as a group of people who are trying to follow Jesus, as a group of people who are trying to love each other well and love our world well. Sometimes it's good to just push pause and to think about, okay, this is us. This is who we are. This is who we're called to do. And you know, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, we began with this idea that when you talk about who we are and who we're called to be, you can't do that unless you begin with God. For us to talk about this is us, we have to begin with God. And that's why we began with worship, because it's not until, it's really not until you lose yourself in worship that you find out who you really are. It's not until you come before God and you realize who He is that you learn about who you are. And so if you're one of those people who's trying to find yourself or figure out who you are, my advice, turn to worship. Turn to God. It's in His presence. It's when you're standing before the King of kings and Lord of lords that we begin to realize our identity and who we're called to be. And then we said last week, and I know a lot of you love this like I love this because it's just true, that we are perfectly imperfect, that we don't have it all together. Sometimes we mess up. We fail each other often. We are human, and, and, and it's good to just say it so we can cut each other some slack and realize I'm not perfect. You're not perfect. Sometimes things don't go the way we thought they would, and, and that's okay. We can give in this place, in this church, if you're a part of this church, and even if you're not, if you want to be, we welcome you because we want you to know that when that happens, we're going to cut you some slack. We're going to give you grace because that's who we're called to be. We're perfectly imperfect. And what's so amazing about that, we learned from, from the words of Paul in Corinthians last week, that even though we're perfectly imperfect, even though we're like jars of clay that are fragile and easily broken, we have the light of Christ inside of us. And it's His light that shines through us. And that just makes us stand in awe of God. That despite our failure, He still, in His humility, chooses to take up residence in our lives, residence in His church, and live and shine in us and through us. And that is just, it's amazing. So this week, what I want to do is I want to talk about this idea of what does it mean that we are members of the body of Christ. Uh, my guess is some of you, and I know some of you, have been members of this church or members of the church, you know, for a long, long time. And if I were to ask you, what does it mean to you to be a member of the church, you might, if you're like me, you might struggle for a moment with, eh, how do I explain this? How do I talk about it? And if I were to ask one of you that question, who's been a member of a church for a long time and ask someone else the exact same question, my guess is you would come up with completely different answers because we sometimes struggle to think about what does that really mean and what does that look like. And if you're new, we've got a lot of people, we've got 40 or 50 people right now visiting Riverside who are thinking about making this family their faith family. If that's you, you're probably wondering, okay, you know, I've heard you talk about, you know, taking that next step of becoming a member of the church. What does that mean? What are you talking about? What, what am I joining? What am I signing up for? What does that mean? You know, or maybe you're one of those people in recent weeks who have placed membership and you're thinking, okay, I've, I've done that, but now what, what does that mean? What, what, you know, what, 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 what's that all about? What's it mean to be a member of the church? What does it mean to be a member of, of this church at Riverside? And I'm glad you asked. It's a really good question. Today I want us just to turn to Scripture and think about it a little bit. But before we do, I want to invite one of my friends and one of our shepherds 
uh, Bob Harris to the stage. Bob is, yeah, here he is. Come on up, Bob. Uh, Bob is one of our longtime members and elders, and a lot of you know Bob, but, but some of you don't. And uh, I asked Bob to join me today to kind of talk about um, this idea and also kind of share what it means uh, for him, for us to be members of the body of Christ. So thank you, Bob, for agreeing to do this and joining me here. Bob, why don't you start by just telling us a little bit about yourself for those who may not know you as well and your family. Well, uh, my name is Bob Harris. My wife is Joan, and we have been members here. Is your mic on? I think so. Okay. Microphone check. Mike. Steve. That's on mute. Mute. (laughs) Every week we have microphone problems and we're trying to get better and uh, we still. This. Try that. Steve. Hey. I got here 10 minutes early to learn how to work this. (laughs) Hey, this is us, right? (laughs) (laughs) Joan and I have uh, been members here at Riverside for about 22 years. Um, We came primarily because of the youth group. Our kids were youth group age at the time. And uh, Joan had an opportunity to teach. And uh, I see folks like Megan and Madeline and Kate and Matthew in the audience and Uh, Joan taught them when they were like three-year-olds. So we have had a a fantastic opportunity to serve uh, here at Riverside. I've been an elder for uh, almost 19 years, which is uh, hard to imagine for me. Um, But uh, we just love this church. We love to see all the changes and the new people coming and uh, are, are very excited about Riverside Church of Christ. Yeah, awesome. Thank you, Bob. 19 years. That's amazing. It that's is. amazing. Um, so recently you had a bit of a health issue in your life, and um, I want you to, to share as much of that story as you wanted to this morning, but also sort of relate that to just this larger idea of, of the body of Christ and maybe what you've learned through that, and maybe what we can learn from that as well this morning. So I'll, I'll just let you share that, that story and maybe some of your thoughts. Well, uh, uh, three months ago, um, everything seemed pretty good, and uh, we were rocking along and getting ready for uh, getting ready to uh, head to trek for ten weeks up in the mountains. And uh, uh, I kept having a pain in my lower jaw, and uh, so I thought it was a tooth. I went to the dentist; they pulled a wisdom tooth out and said, you should be good to go. A couple weeks later, I still had the pain. And my son happened to be home, and he Googles lower jaw pain, and it says that one of the um, causes of lower jaw pain is a heart problem. So he said, Dad, are, are you going to the hospital, or am I going to take you? And I said, you know, I'm really too busy. I'd sit in the waiting room for a couple hours, I just can't do it today, and uh, got a lot of trek work done. That evening, about 10 o'clock, I said, okay, the pain hasn't quit. We ought to go to the emergency room. I didn't have to sit and wait. They took me right in uh, as soon as I said, you know, I'm 67 and have lower jaw pain, 
and it turned out that I, sure enough, had had a heart attack. Um, so we spent the next couple of hours um, diagnosing that, me trying to tell them that it could be fixed with pills, uh, them <laughs> telling me it was something more, me talking about stents and balloons and things I'd heard about on TV. And uh, they said, no, it's something more. And uh, so I had uh, quadruple bypass surgery uh, a couple of days later. Um, I guess the story I'd like to tell you is not really, it, it's about me, but I'm not the focus. Um, Joan and I have been fortunate to have served this church for uh, a lot of years. And, and we see that as a blessing. We see it as an honor. But... Uh, uh, when I went into the hospital for 10 days, I really got to see how this church serves. Um, there were so many people, and I'm going to try and uh, remember some of their names. Um, but remember, I was on medication, okay? So a lot of people, ca- in fact, my wife told me that our daughter uh, drove from Rogers, Arkansas to see me. I have no recollection of that. And she was there for a couple of days. Um, But I do remember Sweet McKenzie being one of the very first ones to come and hanging on to her dad's leg, she just gave me the biggest smile. And um, (laughs) I'm going to get through this. Um, it kind of reassured me, Mackenzie, that uh, everything was going to be okay. Um, there, there were a lot of struggles along the way, a lot of good news, bad news, a lot of hurting. Um, Frank and Nancy Stepp came into the room, and uh, I don't know if you know Nancy, but uh, Nancy tends to make me laugh a lot. And, and I really needed at that point in time, Nancy, to, uh, uh, to lighten the mood. Um, I uh, had responsibilities for Wilderness Trek, executive director. Uh, I knew I couldn't get all that done. We had to abbreviate the program this summer. Uh, but I needed people to step up. And sure enough, my longtime friend, Doug Crow, said, you know, what can I do? Well, it turns out uh, he's talking to the Trek folks, and they said, well, we need gear taken from Irving to Midland, Texas. And uh, within a few days, he and Laura Cron were there loading up the gear into a uh, trailer to, to transport it to, uh, to Midland so that Trex could still go on. Uh, Rick Ellis is talking to the president of the board of Trek and saying, you know, what can we do? Um, food, uh, I mean, just, uh, we, we had to tell a lot of folks, you know, that we didn't need food because my appetite was, was not there. But still, um, uh, Rick and Diane Ellis brought us food. Um, uh, Lily and uh, Leanne brought us food. Uh, Scott and Sherry Elgin brought us food. And during each one of those visits, we got to uh, 
talk about the church and about all the different pieces of the body that go with with church uh, membership. Um, I know I'm going to forget somebody, and I apologize. Uh, remember that that I was on a lot of medications. Um, there there were some people that you know that I didn't that that didn't really contribute to my illness. <clears throat> um, they uh, they said, you know, we're going to have to give you a, a sponge bath, and and uh, I jokingly said, well, you know, do you need some help with that? And, and the nurse said, oh, yeah, we, we'll discount your bill uh, if you get somebody to help. And so I texted Jason Graves and John Pauly. <laughs> and uh, Jason said, I'll see you in a few days. <laughs> John Pauly said, if they can load you into the back of my pickup, I'll run you through the car wash. <laughs> um, so hospital visits aren't always good. Um, I was anxious to talk to the surgeon before the procedure and, and ask him details and, and uh, you know, what to expect. And about that time, uh, my good friends, uh, Mike Odell and Corey, uh, show up at the same time the surgeon's there. And all of a sudden, I realized Mike is interviewing the surgeon. Uh, he's saying, you know, well, what should we expect from, from this part of the procedure? And I'm like, Mike, you know, I'm, I'm the one supposed to be answering, asking those questions. So I, I had to ask him to hold off a little bit. Um, but there were so many people that, that stepped up, and, and Joan and I, Um, truly felt the love of this church. Uh, if you're not familiar with bypass surgery, they uh, open up your chest, they take your heart, and uh, Ed Clifford can tell you more. Ed was just a tremendous comfort during this whole process. Uh, they stop your heart so that they can take, take uh, arteries out of your legs and, and move them to your heart, sew them to your heart. But that heart, you know, they don't need that thing pumping while they're doing that. Uh, so they, they stop your heart and they hook it to a machine called the uh, DeBakey uh, pump within the machine. And uh, uh, so it's a, even they, they do hundreds, it's a, it's a pretty intense procedure. Um, and afterwards, there was a, a pretty good recovery period. I was in the hospital about a, about a week afterwards. Um, a lot of people came and visited and said prayers. The elders came, the ministers came. Um, Christine Peak came several times. Christine Peake was there when uh, uh, they had to get me out of bed to walk um, not long after the surgery. I, I was afraid of this backless gown. <laughs> and Christine is there. And I told Christine I wasn't sure, you know, if she should be in the room or not. 
And not only did Christine stay, she made sure that I had a robe and that I was covered up and uh, that um, she made the entire walk with me. Um, you can't, uh, you can't buy that. You can't tell a nurse, you know, walk every step of the way. Um, I know I'm going to forget somebody. Uh, Kate and Mackenzie, my little friends, uh, came to the house uh, just as soon as I got home and brought me pictures. Uh, I got so many texts, Facebook messages, cards. Uh, I was rereading some of the cards the other day, and, and I just appreciated every one of them. Um, uh, Carolyn McBride, I don't see Carolyn this morning, brought me a little pillow, and, I, and, and she, it had fringe on it. And I thought, now what in the world am I going to do with that? And, uh, <laughs> but I, I took it home. I threw the, I, I, I neatly placed the fringe <laughs> to the side. <laughs> and uh, that pillow came in handy so many times. It was just really, really a blessing. Um, uh, John and Lanilia, uh, I, I got to visit with John afterwards and uh, he walked me through some of the uh, things to expect that had happened with his procedure. I guess, I guess my point is that the church body, Christ's body, a riverside body acted in all of its different parts, whether it was a text or a prayer that I never knew about or Christine uh, making sure my gown wasn't undone. Um, there were so many parts to that uh, 10 week stay in, 10, 10 day stay in the hospital and continue to be, uh, that people ask me how I'm doing and that I look good and, and uh, that I look like I have strength. Um, it just was amazing to see all the parts of the body come together. Bob, thank you for sharing that. And, you know, we're praising God that he preserved your life. And I know we prayed for that. And, you know... On this side of it, to not only have you on stage three weeks, four weeks, how, how long ago? Three months? Three months. Three months later? That's just unbelievable to think um, uh, how God has worked in your physical body to bring your health back. And I know you've, you've got a ways to go still, but praise God for that and praise God for, for the church. So thank you, Bob. I mean, I don't know if I need to say anything or we should just sing, right? That's it. What does it mean for you and me to be members of the body of Christ? What does that mean? Um, I think that's it. We don't need to pass out a spiritual gift inventory this morning for you to figure out what your spiritual gift is. We don't need to, you know, spend, you know, 20 weeks talking about it. It's you and me finding ways to love and serve each other. That's what it is.
And, and I think that's hard for us. At least it's been hard for me. And I'll tell you why it's been hard for me. It's been, it's been hard for me to figure that out because I think the word member or the word membership has sort of been hijacked by our culture. And you, you know what I mean because anywhere else in our community that you're a member of something, it's probably because you, you pay a, a fee, a membership fee, to join. And when you pay that fee, then you get rights to certain benefits and services. And that's, that's good, you know. A few months ago, my wife and I, we decided to, to join the gym, the Y, here in Capel. And, and, you know, when you're a member of the Y, some of your members, you know how this works. You get access. You can go at the time the doors are open. I can go and I can use their machines. I can lift their weights. I can swim in their pool. I can watch their TV screens as I do all this and stay up to date on the news and the sports. I can, they've got a place for my kids so they can be taken care of while I do those things. I've got access to all that, and I pay a fee. And you know what? If, if something's not working right, if I'm unhappy about something, I can go find a staff person and tell them, and they're there to fix it, to make it right. And that's the way it works because I pay a fee, and I'm a member of that place. What's happened for me at least, maybe it's happened for you, is I think sometimes we superimpose what it means to be a member of something like that on top of what it means to be a member of a church. And if you're anything like me, that gets really uncomfortable really quick. Because, again, when we're members of something like that and something is going on or happening we're not happy about, we complain to a staff person and, you know, we, we, we get all upset and we make sure it's fixed and things are made right. And if they aren't, then we leave and we take our membership somewhere else. And if you're like me, even as I'm talking about this, you're getting real uncomfortable because it's like, yeah, that's not the way church is supposed to be. But we even hear people talk about this. We, we choose churches based on the services and benefits they provide for us and our families. But that's, man, that's not it. The word member and membership has been hijacked, and I get it, by our culture. But I think the way it should work in church is different, and it almost makes me think we need a new word. <laughs> but as I hear Bob talk, I'm reminded and as I read the words of Scripture, I'll tell you what, I fall, I've fallen more and more in love with the language of member and membership. And I want to show you why. Just real quick, if you have your Bible, if you can open that up, or if you have an app, you want to turn that on to 1 Corinthians 12. I want you to see what a guy by the name of Paul wrote when he talked about the church. Paul was once a huge critic of the church. But he met Jesus, and Jesus changed everything for Paul. And so if you've ever looked at your New Testament, there are so many of these letters that Paul wrote to different churches. They were written to specific churches at a specific time in a specific place. And uh, almost every occasion there's a problem he's trying to fix. And so it's all this you know, instructional teaching about problems they're having. And this is what's going on in 1 Corinthians 12. And we're not going to get into the whole problem he's trying to fix, but I want you to see what he says and how he talks about the church. And so in 1 Corinthians 12, if you look at verse 27, I want you to, I want you to see the words and the way Paul talks about the church. He said this to the church there this ancient, in this ancient city of Corinth. He said, all of you together are Christ's body, and each of you is a part of it. Now, that's the way it's translated in this, this translation called the New Living Translation. But I want to show you uh, the same exact verse in the Amplified Bible. And the Amplified Bible tries to use more English words to give you a better understanding of what the Greek words really mean than the original language. And it says this, and listen to this. Now you collectively, so you plural, all of you, you, all of you church people, 
you all together are Christ's body. And individually, you singular, individually, you are members of it, each with his own special purpose and function. Don't you like that? You collectively are Christ's body, and you individually, you each are a member of it, and you each have a specific purpose and function. Now, the problem in this ancient church was that they were arguing and they were causing division over who had been given what spiritual gifts. And some people were saying, hey, I'm, I'm better than you because I've got this spiritual gift. And they were saying, no, I'm better than you because I've got this spiritual gift. And Paul was like in shock in all of this conversation. He's like, no, 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 you, you, you don't get it. And so he wrote this just to give you some context. In verse 4 of that same chapter, he said there are different kinds of spiritual gifts, but the same spirit is the source of all of them. They're different kinds of service, but we serve the same exact Lord. God works in different ways, but it's the same God who does the work in all of us. A spiritual gift is given to each of us so that we can, and if you underline, highlight, star words, this is it, so that we can help, help each other. Paul essentially says there's a ton of spiritual gifts In this chapter, he lists some of them. In other places, he he lists some of them. He never lists all of them because that would be impossible. He said there are a ton of spiritual gifts, but every spiritual gift is given for this exact, precise, this one reason. Every gift given by God the Father through the power of the Holy Spirit to the individuals in the church that make up the body of Christ, every single gift that's given is given for this purpose. It's given so that you can help each other. It's given so that you can be helpful. It's given so that you can benefit the church, the body of Christ. In fact, at the end of the chapter, this is the way he ends it in verse 31. He says, you should earnestly desire what gifts? Which ones? The most important ones? The ones that we think are really great and awesome? No. You should desire the most helpful gifts. Why? Because this is what it means to be a member of the body of Christ. It means you using the gifts that God the Father has given you through the power of the Holy Spirit to help each other. And it doesn't matter what your gift is. It doesn't matter what you're good at or how you can help. The point is, is that you use the gifts that God the Father has given you through the power of the Holy Spirit to benefit the church. And and I know some of you are thinking, well, I I use the gifts God's given me to to, to benefit our community or help, you know, special causes or organizations. And and those are great things, and you should do all that. But I want you to know that the reason that God gave you a spiritual gift, the the, the reason he did that through the power of the Holy Spirit, was for this one purpose, so that you could benefit the church. In fact, if you read all that chapter, what you're going to find out is that you may be on the roster at a church, But for you to be a member of a church means that you are using the gifts God has given you through the power of the Spirit to benefit God's church. That's the reason he gave you that gift, was that you could use those gifts. Yeah, to take someone food when they're hurting. Some of you are really good at at loving people and making people feel loved and welcoming them and making them feel warm and invited. Some of you are good at loving kids and teaching them about Jesus. Some of you are really good at, at AV and tech, and you help run things in this room to make them work so wonderfully well and, you know, help us to reach people here in our community. And I don't know if you know this, but online to reach literally hundreds, if not thousands of people every month. 
People in this church have so many different gifts. Some of you are good at making money. Like you have a spiritual gift. You're just good at it. Praise God for you. And you give money to bless this church, the mission and vision of what God is doing in this place. Some of you are good at a thousand different things. Some of you are great at manual labor and you can cut grass. You can move chairs. And when you do that, you are helping the church. Some of you, you're good at so many different things. And everything that you do that benefits this church is you using those gifts to bless God's church. And that's, that's it. That's it. That's what happens when you and I use the gifts God has given us. And this may sound too simple, and you're going to ask me, Corey, is this why you got up this morning to come in to say this? And I'm going to say, yes, it is. You know why you're here? You are here to be helpful. That's it. You may think that's way too simple, but I'm going to tell you, I think this one idea literally changes everything. You are here to be helpful. And some of you know this because you've experienced this. And if you think back on the times in your life when you felt the most joy, when you felt the most fulfilled, when you felt the most encouraged, it was those times when you literally were giving yourself away. Why? Because as a member of the body of Christ, that's what you were created to do. And it's counterintuitive, I know. But you're here to be helpful. You're here to help. You're here to use what God has given you to benefit others, to benefit the church. And when you and I do that, when we help each other, when we love each other, when we use what God has given us to benefit the church, God does something in us. He blesses us. And you weren't blessed just to be blessed, right? You were blessed to be a blessing. You were given a gift to then give it away. It's never been about your position or your title. It's always been about your ability to serve and humble yourself. It's never about you gaining a place of power. It's been about you taking the power you have and putting it up under others to help them. Because you're here to be helpful. God gave you a gift. He gave me a gift to be helpful. And what's funny is some of you think that what I do is really, really important but it's no more important than what anybody else does. You know what's true about the human body? I can look at you, I can look at all of you right now, and I, I, like I don't have x-ray vision, I cannot see your heart. But if that unseen part of your body stops working for some reason, just ask Bob, it's going to cause major problems. The same is true in the body of Christ. Because you are the heart of this church. And so many of you do so many things that are so unseen. But if for whatever reason, if you stop doing that today, this church would die. Because you're the heart of this church. And a body can survive for a small amount of time if part of it isn't working. But the only way a body can thrive is when every part does its part. And for this body of Christ, to not just survive, but thrive. I think it means that we have to, every one of us, do our part. Every part matters because the body of Christ matters. And every one of us is a part of the body of Christ in this place. And we are at our best, and we've experienced this in this place as well. We are at our best when every part does its part. Church, if you would, let's, let's stand together.
I'm so thankful for Bob and the the story that he has and the story that he shares this morning because it reminds us of who we are and who we're called to be. We're called to be the body of Christ. We're called to be members of it. The other day I was running the streets of Coppell early one morning and as I was running, I passed this, this older gentleman. He was wearing a bright neon green shirt and across the back read the word volunteer. And I almost stopped to get a picture with him, but I thought, eh, that's creepy. <laughs> so I didn't. <laughs> but it struck me as I kept running. I'm like, you know, if Jesus was walking the streets of Capel, that's the shirt he'd be wearing. If Jesus were walking our hallways this morning, that's the shirt he would be wearing. It'd say volunteer. Because Jesus knew what God always intended, that for all of us, whoever we are, to use what we've been given to volunteer those things to bless the church of Jesus Christ. For those of us who are members of his church, to use what we've been given to bless his church. And that's what Jesus did. He came and he used what God had given him to serve the church. And he died on a cross and he rose again. And I don't know if you've ever thought about this, but I think this is pretty powerful. The body of Christ died so the body of Christ could live. Jesus may have left the planet, but he didn't really leave because he lives in every one of us. And this morning and every morning when we gather, the reason we gather is because we are the body of Christ. We're his hands. We're his feet. And when one part of the body suffers, we all respond. That's when we gather together to, to, to send money and supplies down to the brothers and sisters of Christ in Christ in Houston. And that's when we do things like last night as we go and we go and raise money for Christian works to, to help families, to help brothers and sisters who are, who are trying to help these hurting children. That's why we do things like this. This is why we gather around on Harvest Sunday and raise lots of money to, to help causes around the world that matter to this church because, because that's us leaning in together, pulling in the same direction as the body of Christ to respond to the needs in the world around us. And so we gather in this place this morning as the body of Christ to worship Jesus. And today what I want to ask you is just simply this. What can you do and how can you help? Because this is us. We're real people with real problems, believing in a real God. But we are members together of the body of Jesus Christ. And together as the church, we lift up Jesus. But together as a church, we also are Jesus. And this week and every week, what I want to challenge us to do is to be the hands and feet of Jesus. To each one of us do our part, whatever that is. Because we're at our best. We are at our absolute best when every part of this body does its part to the praise of God the Father. Let's sing.